during this Christmas season, I started to think a lot about the Magi who would uh, eventually visit baby Jesus. Of course, we know sometimes we get caught up in the, the manger scene and we're like, oh, there's the, the Magi, they're, they're right at the birth. And we know that that wasn't actually the case. That he didn't, they didn't quite arrive quite there. We know that they probably arrived sometime before uh, he, Jesus turned two. But the journey itself, I was thinking about the journey, like uh, the Magi were likely from Persia. And that's not a, from, jer- from Persia to, to Bethlehem. That's not a journey for the faint of heart. It's not like they just got up one day and say, hey, road trip, let's go. No, I, I looked it up. I, I looked up just at our approximate distance if it was from Persia. And uh, so I, I Googled it and it, it said 25 hours. I'm like, oh, that's no problem. I'm like, wait a second, that's driving. That's driving straight. I don't know about if they just jumped in their, their uh, SUVs and motored on. Uh, so I, I changed it to, to walking distance. And it was 441 hours. That's straight time. So if you're walking 40, 441 hours straight uh, from Persia to Bethlehem, that's how long it's going to take you. But how, I don't know how about you guys. I don't know how many can walk that st- straight. That's a long, long time. I, like, likely, it would have taken months for their journey. And it's not just like, you know, our paved roads, you just start walking on the road and it's no problem. There's, we had, there's hills and valleys and they had to pack supplies and money for food and, and they had to worry about robbers. It wasn't an easy journey. They had to plan out in advance what they're going to do. It wasn't just like, we're just going to go all over the place looking for what, for this Jesus. They, they had their, their goal, their, their destination. God had given them direction, but they still needed to plan out uh, to do this journey well. They were following a star that they knew would lead them to the Christ child. Trips can be a lot of fun, but they usually take preparation. In the days of our youth, often we didn't have to worry too much about the preparation part. Often our parents would take care of that, and we would just go on our merry way, and everything would be there. And then as we got older, we realized, wait a second, I have to pack stuff. I can remember going to a a camp as a, a child, and... It wasn't a Bible camp or anything, but it was sent off to camp, and I got there with a bag in hand and opened the bag, and everything that I needed for the week was there. The camp had prepared all the food that we needed and all the activities we were going to do. All I had to do was show up. That's easy. But as I got older, I can remember my first time at Bible camp. I was 17, and I, I showed up with a bag, and I opened it up, and I didn't have enough for the week. It was kind of humorous because my mom had told me, oh yeah, you need to pack. And I wasn't really realizing and I wasn't prepared for that week at all. Still had fun, but I wasn't prepared at all. Trips take planning. You need to know where you're going, how long they'll take, and what you'll need along the way. You may know where you want to go, but if you don't know how to get there, it doesn't help at all. This Christmas, Blake got a couple of maps. He got a, a book that's just a maps of Alberta, and then he's got a big one that unfolds, and you know he's looking at all these destinations he can go to. Maps help a lot, and you can plan out how you want to go there. You know, if you were planning to go, he was looking at the most northern point in, in Alberta, but if you were, say, going to, 
to Vancouver, you have a few different choices. You can take a direct long way to, uh, you know, along Trans Canada, or you could take a, a scenic route maybe up to through Jasper and down, or you could go down to the Crozes Pass, or you, I'm sure there's other ways too. But there, you know, there's all sorts of routes you can plan. But if you just jump in your vehicle and you don't really know the roads at all, it creates a problem. And I mean, we have GPSs now. It's really a, a wonder. We don't wonder that even print uh, printed maps anymore. But it's knowing where you're going is so important and how you're going to get there. You know, often we make New Year's resolutions that don't make it far into the new year. We lack the follow-through. It no- needs to go beyond just an idea that we have in our head. My hope this year is that you would follow Jesus on a journey throughout the year. A phrase that kept on coming to me while I was preparing this message over and over again was, I know where I want to go, but I don't know how to get there. You know, this past year has been a crazy year, through, full of ups and downs, with all the restrictions and the COVID stuff that's been happening, and it's been so easy to get, to get lost along the way. And now is the time to refocus and start over on this journey and take things day by day, walking with Jesus, who will fa- who'll be faithfully with us, He'll never leave us. So let's pack our bags and prepare for the journey through. The first thing that you'll need in this journey through is to marinate in the word. Now, I don't know what you think about marinating. Maybe you're thinking of barbecue and you're like getting hungry already. That, that kind of goes for me right there too. But I'm gonna read out, I'd like to read out Psalm 1 for you. It's one of my favorite psalms. Psalms are so good just to go, you can read a psalm a day for your devotions and just... just the ups and downs of the, the authors that they had are just incredible and just real real life here. But I, in Psalm 1 it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf did not wither, and whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the, the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I really want to just focus on, where in verse 2 it says, in, but His delight is in the law of the Lord. The word of God. And on his law, he meditates day and night. It seems kind of unreal in our day that you would, that to think about that, just to, to spend that kind of time in the word. If we want to know God better and how to live for him, it only makes sense that we'd spend time in the word of God. The challenge is that for many Christians, the only Bible they get is a few minutes on Sunday or maybe a few minutes a day, they, they pick up their, their, their Bible, do their duly, due diligence for that day. Can you imagine if the relationship that you were in, if you were your spouse, if you just talked to them only on Sunday, or you know, just talked to them for a few minutes in the beginning of the day, or a few minutes at the end? What would your relationship look like? With the, the importance of the Word of God, I just want to, a friend of mine shared a story with me about a young woman that she was mentoring. And this young woman professed Christ and 
would meet with the, her, this, my friend weekly, and was wanting to learn more about Christianity. But as things continued, she started saying things that were kind of strange. They weren't really from the Bible at all. And eventually she realized that she was just treating Christianity like a book on a shelf, where she just took the Bible off the shelf when she wanted some feel-good stuff from Christianity. But other times it was from Islam or Buddhism or New Age. And she just took whatever added to her life and whatever she saw fit, saw fit. Rather than filling yourself with the Word of God. The Word of God is enough. The Word of God will change us. Jesus calls us to be all in all the time. Now, I've shared this story before, and uh, but I, I just feel it's appropriate for today. And I have a friend who he was preparing... He prepared a sermon, and uh, he, before the sermon, they, they stuck their stuff in their, their uh, crock pot, and to, not crock pot, but pot to marinate the chicken. They had this wonderful chicken that they were going to barbecue the next day, or that later that day, and they put, I don't even know what all they put in it, but it sounded really good when they were describing it, but it was just barbecue sauce and all sorts of spices, and it just, just soaked, it was, they were hoping for it to soak all in, and this barbecue, and have a wonderful meal at lunchtime. So service finished. They're all ready to go, and they're invited out for lunch. Okay, well, that the marinade, it'll, it'll do fine to, to marinate just a little bit longer. And so they marinated all day until supper time, and they're all ready to, they're going to grab it and go barbecue. Something came up, and it had to stay in the fridge for a little bit longer. So the next day at lunch, they were finally able to eat it. They barbecued it, and as they pulled it out of the marinade, it was like falling off the bones. It was so drenched in the marinade. He said it was like it became something else. When we meditate on the Word of God, we soak it in so much that it changes us. We don't just want to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on us, but let the Word of God change our lives. When we, change, when we spend time in the word, word, it changes us. The more we spend, the more it'll change us. You know, marinade is, is good. You know, when you marinate your steak or your chicken just for, you know, an hour or so, that, that's good. The longer you, you leave it, the better it's going to become. When we're spending time in the Word of God, we're being conformed into the image of Jesus. And it prepares us what we'll face throughout this year. Last year, last, last year, it was last year, but last week, uh, Pastor Al shared that we needed to give God more than our leftovers, uh, leftover time to read the Bible. You know, we, we think about the time that you go throughout the week, and this is, I'm guilty of this completely. But we, the time, amount of time we, we read all sorts of books, we watch all sorts of television programs, and then we give God a few minutes here and a few minutes there. But when God's our priority, and we want to grow deeper into our relationship with Him, we put to, our we put time into the things that are valuable to us. All sorts of things can help us take in the Bible too. Uh, you know, to go throughout our day. Sometimes, you know, we're busy, right? But, you know, Pastor Al mentioned that our daily bread, and a lot of us read our daily bread. They also have an app that will, like, on, can go on your smartphone and it will read you that, that day's message. And I, I didn't even know that. And I downloaded this week and I've been taking that in. Just, it's a wonderful thing just to, you know, take that in in just a diff- different way. And if you're into tech things, there's you can sermons on podcasts. We have right now media available to anyone who wants to use it. 
They're all helpful things in hearing the word of God and growing further in our relationship with Jesus. Gary Oden said, To meditate on scripture is to allow the truth of God's word to move from our head to heart. It is to so dwell upon a truth that it becomes part of our being. I think it's at this point where the word is soaked in so much that our actions are led without even thinking. We're just doing the right thing. We're not thinking, oh, should I be doing this? We just do the right thing because we know it in our heart. We stop rationalizing whether actions are right or wrong. And we just do what's right. Just do it. So that's the first thing we need to do in our, our journey through this year is meditate, marinate in the Word of God. The second thing is pray on all occasions. This is big. This is the second item that we need to take in this journey through the year. It's a pray without ceasing. And that sounds kind of daunting. First, you want me to read the Bible all the time. Now you want me to pray all the time. So how do I fit in? How do I even balance that? But I just want to read a few verses for you here. First Thessalonians 5.17 just says simply, pray without ceasing. And then Philippians chapter 4, 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer is so much more than something you say before a meal or maybe something you do when you're in trouble. Prayer is continual conversation with God. It's in the good and the bad. Asking Him for help even when we feel that we have a situation under control. It's such a way of life that we feel his peace and comfort because we know he's continually there. I'm walking down the street. I fall down, fall down in a hole, but I've been talking to God along, all along the way just like he's right here. We know that we'll face troubles in this year, but why not walk with the, the Prince of Peace who will give us the, that peace throughout the year even when we face those hard things? Continually talk to our Lord for some, they only pray when things are good. But if trouble comes, that's the time to take things on their own in their, into their own hands. They panic, and it's on their, they're on their own then. They don't have to be. Others only pray when trouble comes, because for the rest of their life, it's good, and they've got their life all together. For both of the, these people, they miss out so much on that rich relationship with God. And Voskamp said in regards to praying without ceasing, praying with eyes wide open is the only way to pray without ceasing. Continually be aware of what's happening and take it to God. Do we see a car accident on the side of the road? We can stop and, and help. But we can also take those people to pr in prayer. Do we know people who are suffering? Take action. Pray. And then continue to Ask God how you can be best use of best of best use there. Let God be a part of everything you encounter through this journey this year. Next, serve and share. As you go through this journey this year, serve and share. Mark chapter two, verses one to twelve. When he, Jesus, had come to come back to Capernaum, Capernaum several days afterwards, it was 
heard that he was home, and many had got, many were gathered together, so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic, paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the, the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. For some of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier for me to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up, and immediately picked up his pallet, and went out in the sight of everyone, so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Here we have a story of friends wanting to help their their friend who is paralyzed. Likely most of his either all of his life or most of his life. And his friends want to help him in some some way. We want to be able to help our friends when we see someone in need. They saw a need. They knew of somewhere something that could help and so they took a chance. They, they had heard who Jesus was, obviously. They heard that he could heal people. So we got to get our friend to Jesus. We need to get him to the one who can, they, he can be healed. They weren't necessarily thinking about the fact that this man's sins would be forgiven. For us, we need to get our friends who don't know Jesus to, to the one who can forgive their sins that they could have a relationship with God and have eternal life. They did whatever they needed to do to get their friends to Jesus. They got to the, the house, and the house was full of people already wanting to hear from Jesus. So they went up to the top of the house. And, you know, obviously the houses aren't made like today, but, like, they broke through the roof. And can you, you think about things falling down into the people sitting down there and there's breaking it all. They'll do whatever they can to get their friend to Jesus. And they lowered their friend in front of Jesus and their friend was healed, both physically and spiritually. This is a drastic story where friends served another friend in need and brought him to Jesus in the process. But in the everyday this year, I want you to look for opportunities to serve those around you, whether it be friends or neighbors or strangers. When we come in contact with someone, they become our neighbor, Right? Sometimes opportunities are going to be right, right in front of us and we're going to see that there's an obvious need right there. Other times we're going to need to look and ask, ask the Lord, how can I help? Or where can I serve God? Where can I use the, the gifts and abilities that you've given me? Where can I serve? And as we serve, you know, people ask questions. Why are you doing this? Why, why would you be so nice to me? Why would you help me? can lead for opportunities to share about Jesus. Through, though we serve 
or not, we're called to share the word of God. We're called to make disciples of Christ. Matthew 28 is very clear. It's something that we hear all the times, but we need to be reminded of it continually too. Matthew 28:19 it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Big or small, share what you're learning about Jesus. So many people you'll come in contact with, you'll share something, maybe it's from your what you learned in the sermon this week or as you're indwelling yourself in the Word of God. You share it with someone and they're like, really? The Bible says that? I had no idea. Do you realize that for you, many people, you're the only Bible that people will ever read? They won't read the Gospels. They have no idea what the Bible says. But your life speaks volumes to them. Helping those who don't know Jesus yet come to a deeper understanding of who he is. They're on a journey. Help them gear their journey towards Jesus. There isn't a need there isn't a need to overthink what to share, but be in continual prayer, asking God what you can share to make a difference in their, this person's life. Asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom and that you would be bold in sharing. Jesus is the m- most important message that you could possibly share with anybody. So in this year, through going through this year, I encourage you to do so. Next, it's to be thankful in all circumstances. This one's kind of hard sometimes. A lot of times. First Thessalonians chapter 5, passage from 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. All the things that we're, we need to go through this year are not necessarily easy. And thankfulness is no exception. We would think that thankfulness would be easy in good times. But that's not necessarily true because sometimes we just get so complacent that we just have it so good and we forget to be thankful for what the Lord has provided. But in the good times, that's the time we, we need to be thankful that He's given us our daily bread each day. That He's given us friends and family and another day to live. We need to stop and think what we can be thankful for. Even today, stop and be thankful. Think about that. What about when you face hard times this year? Because hard times do come. I'm not going to pretend like this year will be all roses because there are times of troubles that we'll face. Do we have to be happy and thankful for those tough events? Well, there is a time to mourn. I do believe that if we can find things to be thankful, it changes our attitude. It changes our attitude about the situation we're facing. There is good in everything we face. Even if it's just that God's taking us through and it's the event that we're going through is making us stronger than we ever knew possible. And we will be able to see light at the end of the, the valley if we take time to be thankful. It's amazing how much we can see how much we have to be th- when we stop and be thankful. We're blessed abundantly. And I think of stories about Chinese Christians and the persecution they face. And you know, I, I've heard stories where people from the West go over there and say, do you want us to pray that the, the persecution will stop? And they said, no, we're thankful for the persecution. What? How can you be thankful for these horrible events? Rather, rather than being, wanting that persecution to stop, 
praying that they would have the strength to endure it. That persecution would make them stronger for the Lord. Finally, the final thing that I want to encourage you to take on in this journey through is to give joyfully. Second Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. Now, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of you must do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God provides our needs in the, our, each day for us, and that's something we can be thankful for. I just have to say, I just love my little my little girl. Just all the little noises she makes. I, I just every time I hear those little gurgles and cries and and laughter, I just I, I'm so so thankful and I feel so blessed. Sorry for that detour, but God provides our our needs in the everyday, and we're we're called to give back. Not just our leftovers, what we have at the end of the month or at the end of the year, we'll all just throw something into the offering, whatever I have left. But we're called to give our first fruits, the best of what we have, not the leftovers. Not we've, well, I, I, I just ate the sandwich. I'll, I'll see, I see someone who needs it. I'll just give this, the, the end of the sandwich, the crust. I don't really like the crust anyways. I'll give the crust to someone to eat. No, we give God our best. God deserves our very best in everything we do, in our time, in our finances, the way we live, he deserves our very best. I speak to some who would argue about, argue with me about tithing. And they think, they say, well, tithing, 10%, that's not the real number. And well, if we'll be honest about it, that's a, an Old Testament number, but we've taken it on in today. And it's a good number, it's an easy number to follow, Right? But these people are arguing because they don't really want to give. They'll just give whatever they have left over. They want to see how little they can get away with giving rather than giving generously out of the way that they've been blessed. Rather than feeling that you have to give, start looking at what can you give that you're joyful about giving. And maybe first, it might be starting with your time. Maybe there's some you have time that you can go and serve. And that's a way of joyfully giving. And then I would encourage you to look at your finances and go, how much can I give joyfully back to God? I mean, he gave it to you in the first place, so it's really his that he's given to you. How much can you give back to God joyfully? Not begrudgingly, oh, I have to give 10%. Oh, I, I, want, I want to go and buy a, a, new, um, a new iPhone. You know, my, my iPhone isn't working very well. I want to go buy a new iPhone. But how much, rather than like, what can I can get for myself? What can I do with my money, the money that God's given me for his kingdom? How can that money be used for his kingdom and with missions and, and work and around the world, in our church, in our community? We don't need to look at the minimum we have to give, but how much we can give with a generous, generous and joyful heart into the kingdom of God. And as we give with this, this attitude... God always seems to provide our needs. When you can give with that joyful heart, we always seem to have enough on the table. Praise God. The journey through 2022 will be an adventure, as one to be done with Jesus. These points that I've shared with you today have been to help you plan a route in following Jesus faithfully through 2022. There are various points I've shared with you that... but. The ones I've 
you know, you, I could have added lots more points that we could have been here for the next three hours and, then, and I could continue to share different things. But these are the ones that the Lord impressed upon me to share with you, to encourage you with. And the year ahead, as you find yourself not knowing where to go or discouraged in a deep, dark valley, come back to this basic plan, this basic route for following Jesus through 2022. Let's take our eyes and focus them on the face of our Savior, who has gone before us and prepared the way, and not look back. I was shared this song the other day, and I just wanted to share it. just looking ahead of this year, and just wanted to close with this, this song. It says, Another year is dawning. Dear Father, let it be. In working or in waiting, another year with Thee. Another year of progress. Another year of praise. Another year of proving thy presence all the days. Another year of mercies, of faithfulness and grace. Another year of gladness in the shining of thy face. Another year of leaning upon thy loving breast. Another year of trusting, of quiet, happy rest. Another year of service, of witness for thy love. Another year of training for holier work above. Another work is dawning. Dear Father, let it be, on earth, else in heaven, another year for thee. Let this year, 2022, be for Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. You brought us through this year, and now as we look to 2022, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would be faithful to you as they go through this year. That they would see the route ahead of them. That they would be prepared for what would lie ahead in the ups and the downs, the mountains and the valleys, the trials and the blessings, that they would be faithful with you and they continue to praise your name. For praise in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to move into a time of communion. And, I mean, there's always a first Sunday with communion each year. I just think it's, it's a great re- reminder in the, that the great price that was paid for us it's a reset for us. So we take communion just to remember Jesus paid his blood to sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. His body was broken on the cross. This is a reminder of the, the goodness of God to us. And we didn't deserve that. We are so blessed. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 26, 23 to 26 says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, for as, uh, in remembrance to me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This little wafer, simple as it is, we take this as remembrance of that Jesus' body was broken for us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you were willing to give up your life. And we do this now in remembrance of, of that act of service for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Let's partake. Then Jesus took the cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And in doing this, 
we proclaim the Lord's death. What a glorious remembrance for us that we continually remember what Jesus did for us. What a glorious gift that we have been given to share with the world around us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. I know it wasn't an easy thing. It wouldn't be easy for anyone to give up their life in such a brutal manner. But you did it so that we could be forgiven and have a right relationship with God. So we thank you for that. We pray that you bless us. Let's partake. Go with God through this day and through this year, keeping your eyes upon our Lord and Savior. Have a wonderful day and Happy New Year.